Lloyd. Just take his mail. I've got absolutely no idea. I came in, I came in this morning and um, someone said, have you got slides for the... Uh, Amen. Thank you, mate. It was a simple button. Thank you very much. I said, have you got slides? I went, no. He said, have you got any scriptures for us? I said, no. I said, because if I started messing around with that screen, I'd be in all sorts of trouble. But when I give my life to God, when I give my adoration to him, when I come into his house, and, you know, I get so touched, and I've been very emotional this morning, because some of the words we've sung are just so beautiful. You know, that he gave his life for us. And, you know, I just, um, I just sense this morning that God wants to do something quite big if you allow him. You know, we've got to allow him into our life. And uh, this is the year of opportunity, as Mark's already shared, and Jamie's been sharing the last few weeks. And Jamie said, look, he phoned me up the other day, a couple of weeks ago, and he said, what's on your heart at the moment? I said, the harvest. So what do you mean? I said, the harvest. And if we look in... Um, John 4, verse 35. And it says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. And I said, Jamie, that's what's in my heart. I said, God's just been speaking to me about the harvest. Ask yourself, what is the harvest? It's just a bunch of people like you and me. It's just a bunch of people that needs grace and needs mercy. Do you know, I go to work to London quite regularly, and you get on the tube, and there's faces of emptiness just on the tube. They, they just want to get to the end of des destination. There's brokenness. You can see it. And if you had enough time to minister into every heart, you'd see that loss. So the harvest God's on about is the harvest that he speaks about in John 4.35. A bunch of people like you and I. Caroline's going to sing a little later uh, with Tom. And it's a wonderful song. Some of us may have heard it years ago. But it's still a song that resonates. And it's still a song that goes deep. And one of the verses says, um, Empty people filled with pain. Head in who knows where. People need the Lord. And that's the harvest. Eva's heart, you know, when she's talking about on her doorstep, mm. that couple got lost. And at midnight, mm. they're on her doorstep. Mm. You know, isn't that wonderful? That, you know, God's into the harvest. He's into you just sharing about the harvest. And I like what it says in the message in the book of John. It says, as you look around right now, wouldn't you say about four months it'll be time to harvest? Well, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. Take a good look at what's right in front of you. What we need to do is open our eyes and you can see the need. You can see the brokenness. You can see those people who haven't got the peace that we've got. You know, I put my hands in the air because I just love Jesus. Your name, a strong and mighty tower. Your name, a shelter like no other. But those out there don't know that. Some of you in here may not know that. But he is a shelter like no other. He's a tower, a strong tower. He's a peace in the water. I love the kids when they're doing all this sort of stuff. 
is a peace in the troubled seas. And I just love it because they're starting to grasp that. Luke said, like I was gone upstairs, Luke said last week, didn't he, when he got baptized, two of the greatest moments in your life, the first day you were born, and the second day is when you find out why. I'm just changing that statement a little bit. And I'm going to say, two of the greatest moments in your Christian life, when you're born again, and the second day is the day you find out why. And the day we find out why is for the harvest. The day we find out why is for those people who need to hear our truth. They need to hear our story. We need to just share with people the love of God with people because that's what it's all about. You know, who's been healed in this house? Hey, hallelujah. Who's been, who's been sort of set free from addictions in this place? Well, we need to tell those people that's all it is. Just forget about poor old me. You don't have to worry about us. It's what's out there that matters. That's the key, isn't it? I believe there's two things. I'm coming to the message. I believe there's two things that the Lord wants to develop in our life. There's many others, but I'm going to focus on two this morning. Firstly, we must have a heart for God. Firstly, we must have a heart for God. And secondly, that our heart must be in the harvest. We must have a heart for God. You know, what has he done for us? How much has he blessed us? And yeah, I am so passionate. I just love Jesus. It just, that's all I do. I just love Jesus and I love people. Acts 13, verse 22. Talks about God looking for David. God appointing David. David was a man after God's own heart. And it says in Acts 13, 22, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David. A man about whom God said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Are you men and women after his own heart this morning? Will you do everything he wants you to do this morning? What type of person am I? I was asking myself this week, what type of person am I? Am I a man? Or you can be a woman after God's own heart. Am I a man after God's own heart? And what type of person do I want to be? You know, when you ask that question, what is it about? What, what, does, what does it mean, a, a man or woman after God's own heart? What does it mean? Simply that he's the center of your life. The center. You think the thoughts that he wants you to think. You walk the walk that he wants you to walk. And you speak the talk that he wants you to talk. It's as simple as that. That is your center. Without him, you've got nothing. Without him, you're just empty. Without him, we can't give anything. He is the center of our life. That's a man after God's own heart. A heart after God is a person who's motivated by the desire to please God and carry out his will. Do what Jesus did. We know what Jesus would do. It's time to do what Jesus did. I've been reading a book uh, by Robbie Dawkins. 
Do what Jesus did. We know what he wants us to do, but how about laying hands on sick people? How about prophesying in, in the supermarket? How about giving a £10 to, to, to a lady in the road and you don't even know why you're giving it? You know, do what Jesus did. And that's a man and woman after God's own heart. You know, David wasn't perfect, was he? How many of us are perfect? Didn't he commit adultery? Didn't he murder somebody? Perhaps we haven't murdered or we haven't committed adultery, but we've all done something wrong. It was just that heart after God. It doesn't make one jot that you've sinned, that you've got something wrong. It does matter that you've actually said, I'm sorry. I repent. I'm coming home. I'm sorry for what I've done. And David said it, didn't he, in Psalm 51 verse 10. Creating me. I just love the music this morning, Mark. Absolutely amazing. We're singing that song, creating me a clean, clean heart. Creating me a work of Well, some of you are paying attention. <laughs> but creating me, David cried out in Psalm 51. Creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So when he blew it, he went straight back to the Father. He said, sorry. Sorry, I, I repent. And you know, that's the man after God's own heart. You know, we're not perfect. I'm certainly far from perfect. My wife will vouch for that. I'm far from perfect. But one thing I do do is I just love Jesus. I keep a short account when I get things wrong, but I just love Jesus. All we need to do, you know, is that we just need to cry out as David cried out. He's looking for people he can use whose heart is towards him with a heart for the harvest. A heart for the harvest. You know, when I received God's love, when I understood his mercy, when I understood his grace, you know, why me? Why would God save me? And I haven't got time to give my own testimony this morning, but wretched man, and yet God decided, hey, I want to use you, you sinner. But he didn't call me a sinner. He called me a son. He called you a daughter. And that's the beauty of it. That God so loved you that he wanted to use you. And when I understood that grace and mercy, when I understood his sacrifice on the cross, that nails were smashed through his hands and a crown of thorns was put upon his brow, for me. That just gave me that love for people, Tony. That I just so want to live for him. That I want my heart to be in, in him. And we're going to sing a little song a bit later. That, um, I thought we were going to sing it this morning. But one of these songs, I will offer up my life in spirit and truth. Pouring out the oil of love as my worship to you. In surrender, I must give my every part. Lord, receive this sacrifice of a broken heart. Wow. Do you know, when we sing, guys, you know, we, we're not singing, we're, we're telling a story to God. We're saying, hey, you know, I've been a broken heart. You know, this week, I've just been burdened, so I've been a bit emotional, but 
might say is, oh, my words could not tell, not even in part, of the debt of love that is owed by this thankful heart. This thankful heart. Do you know, doesn't that just touch you? Do you know, when you look at that, we don't deserve this mercy. We don't deserve this grace. But how many are grateful for it? Just one or two of us grateful for it? You know, we don't deserve it, but it gives it unconditional love for us. You know, when you think of that scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And Tom came around to my house a couple of weeks ago and he played this video. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Give Eva a clap then while I blow my nose. And Tom came around the house, and we have a really great time with Tom because the Spirit of God's all over that man. He just loves God with all of his heart. And he came and showed me a video of a, a train track, and you may have seen it yourself. And his son's got stuck in the track, and the train's coming towards the track. And his son, he has to make a decision, derail the train and kill 100 people or sacrifice his son. Just Google it and see what happens. But God the Father sent his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. And do you know what? I love the second verse. John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him you might be saved. So there was no condemnation with Jesus. There was just a hope holding a line to you. Just saying, look, catch this, Ian. I want you to come to me. Catch this. I want you to come to me, Sammy. And that's all God is. He just wants to give you hope. He wants to give you a future. And I love this verse, John 15, 24. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way as I love you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Wow. You are my friends if you do what I command. What amazing love. Lay down your agenda. Lay down your life. Just live for him. It's a wonderful life when you just say, hey God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. God went looking for David and he knew that David would do whatever you wanted him to do. Who's willing to let, who's willing to do whatever God wants you to do? Wave at me. Thank you. Because that's what we've got to start to do. But our heart's got to be right. And in Psalm 45 verse 1 it says, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I come into the house of God and I'm just loving it. I love Mark and the worship team. Let's give them a clap today anyway. We're so grateful. I was going to sing again there, Mark, but you won't have me in the worship team, I know that. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. You know, you come into the house of God and your heart's overflowing with a good theme. You just want to be here. But your heart's overflowing with a good theme on a Monday too. And a Tuesday. And when you're stuck on the tube and you're crammed in like sardines on a Wednesday. And on a Thursday when you get a phone call on a Friday, your heart has to overflow with a good theme. Just let your heart overflow. Let people see the love in your life. 
You know, the single most important element to our future is the content of our heart. But as a man thinks, so is he. And so often, you know, they, you know, the enemy would say to you, you're guilty. I'm pointing at me. Because when you point one finger, three's coming in the other direction. You're guilty. You're a no-hoper. You're finished. And then the teacher might say at school, hey, you're a layabout. You've blown it again. Your mother might even say, I didn't ever want you. Your father might say something cruel and all of a sudden we get these thoughts. As a man thinketh. As a man thinketh, so is he. See, it's not what's in your wife's heart or in your husband's heart that's important. It's what's in your heart. It's what's in your heart. And Proverbs 4.23, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And the New King James says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Springs the issues of life. We've got, we've got a river of life running out of us. There's a good theme coming out of us. And sometimes, you know, because of the cares of this world, you know, you, you imagine there's a great big pipe. And the farmer's watering his land with this great big pipe and it's spraying water all over the place. And suddenly it gets matted and gets, it gets all greasy and, and it becomes a trickle. I don't know what the farmer sends for, but if our pipes get blocked, we have to get Dynarod. But if your and my pipes get blocked, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to unblock our pipes. Because sometimes we get so much negativity and sometimes we get so hurt what people might have said. And sometimes we think we should be doing this or we should be doing that or this should be our job or that should be their job. And it, your pipe gets shrunk. And all you've got to think about is, it's his pipe. Use my life for your glory. And that's what, you've got a river of life flowing out of you. A river of life. Don't take Dynarod. Take the Holy Spirit. You see, we can't touch our community unless our heart's right. And that was the first part of the message this morning. It's about a man or woman after God's own heart. It, David was not sin-free. But David relied on God for the atonement of sin. Secondly, this morning, our heart must be in the harvest. Our heart must be in the harvest. So we've got to have a heart for God, but our heart must be in the harvest. I've already said that bunch of people out there, or probably in here, that don't know God. And if you turn with me, if you will, to John 4, 27, 35. And it's about a woman that Jesus meets at the well, a Samaritan woman. And Jesus spends time just talking to this woman, spends time with significant revelation at the well. Jesus wasn't pointing the finger, Les. Jesus was offering a way out. And from verse 27, I want to read. It says, Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman. Whoops. Verse 21, that was. I was reading that myself, sorry. 
it's because of time, I'm going to verse 27. Then just, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or what are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the villages to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have the kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. See, that woman came to the well looking for water. She was thirsty. But she left the water jar behind when she received that word. Read verse 29. She left the water jar behind and ran back to the village. How many people do you know who are thirsty? Mark, when you walk into school, how many people are thirsty? When you walk into your workplaces, how many people are thirsty? Thirsty for life. And they're chasing it through drugs, alcohol, and, and whatever else there is. But they're thirsty for life. How many are thirsty that you come in contact with? You look at the disciples' reaction there. Verse 27, the disciples were shocked he was talking to the woman. Rabbi, eat, in verse 31. Verse 33, did someone bring him food when we were gone? You see, the disciples always focused on the natural, while Jesus always focused on the supernatural. You know, sometimes we get our thought life on the natural. Mm. There was a 500,000 pound bill. My goodness. Did you not need the supernatural right then? And that's our life, isn't it? You know, we always focus on the natural. But we've got to allow God to put his super Mm. on our natural. Jesus said, my food is to the will of him who sent me. And finish his work. You know, where has he sent you? Where has he sent you? What has he told you to finish? Where's your harvest field? You know, we, we're having an amazing time with our neighbours at the moment. And it's just our, na- our lane's got 12 houses on it. And the majority of them already know about Jesus. And we're having barbecues with them. We're... We're praying for them. One lady came around the house just a matter of a few months ago and said, you're the best neighbours we've ever had. I think she was talking about Caroline. But she said, <laughs> you're the best neighbours we've ever had and we, we just want to share with you, I've got cancer. Mm. Would you pray with us? Mm. You know, that's the harvest field. You know, where's your harvest? Is it in your workplace? Is it in your school? Is it in the neighbourhoods? Is it the Women's Institute meeting? Is it the men's breakfast? Is it, where's your harvest? Where's your harvest? Where has he sent you and what has he called you to finish? You see, God's heart was always towards the lost, the lonely, the worried, the sick, those in pain. 
I've been in pain, I've been lost, and I've been sick. And God has touched my life. And because he's touched my life, I just want to be a vessel so he can touch others' lives. Those who have a harvest heart find a need and meet the need. And all you need to do is look what's right in front of you. All you need to do. Do you know, we have a blast when we go to any supermarket. Tom will vouch for this. We go to Waitrose and we're just like, that's our, that's our harvest field at the moment. We're seeing so many people just, t- one of the guys came on Friday night, just a guy from the, you know, the zapper. <laughs> you know when you go zapping the food? Well, Caroline does most of my shopping, I know, but he zaps the food. But he came on Friday and he was so touched by that. But we were in a supermarket in Devon uh, a couple of years ago <clears throat> and just on holiday. Guess what? The Holy Spirit still goes on holiday with you when you go on holiday. Yeah. And we're in this supermarket, and um, strangely enough, Caroline and I can talk for England, Wales, Scotland, France, the, the rest of the world. So we're talking to this lady, and um, her name was Mal. And I don't know how we got onto it, but she started talking to us about her daughter who had epilepsy. A young daughter seven or eight, and she had epilepsy. And she said, I just don't know what to do. I said, well, we do. I said, can we pray for you? So in the middle of that shop, we're just praying for this little girl, and we're just believing. We, when we go back to Devon, hopefully we'll find out. But when we go back to them, we'll find out that God has healed that lady. He went into another supermarket. I'm in for supermarkets. I don't know what it is, but I, I do. <laughs> I'll mention all of them so I don't get into trouble. Yeah, Tesco's, that's coming up. We, we, were, in, we were in Sainsbury's, and... Uh, <laughs> edit that, please, Pete. Thank you very much. So we're in this supermarket, and we're in this queue, and we're just... Well, we're not minding our own business, because we never do. <laughs> and we used to go into Solihull, and we used to go into Solihull, and um, the whole supermarket would come to a standstill. It was amazing. It wasn't a busy supermarket, thank goodness, and Mr. Sainsbury wasn't, wasn't that unhappy that we were there, but we were in this queue, and one of the ladies that we knew, called Rumby, uh, was she's always smiling, but this particular day she was so upset, and I could sense that she was upset, so I, we got to the queue, and you've got them tutting up, you in the queue, you've got them, and they're all tutting behind me, but I think, you know what? You just have to wait a couple of minutes because God wants to do business with this lady. <laughs> and we said to her, so what, what is the matter, Rumbi? And he said, my, 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 my cousin died. And I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so full of grief. Mm. And we just prayed right there and then for Rumbi. Yeah, you know, it's right. just amazing. You know, your heart has got to be in the harvest. Mm. It doesn't matter if you're in a supermarket. It doesn't matter if you're in a school. But people need God. Mm. People need the, the love that you've had. That love that you've got, don't they? And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, Jesus spent three years with his disciples just teaching them about compassion, teaching them about love. And some of us have been a Christian 20 years or so, and I'm still learning about compassion and love. 
See, when you develop a harvest heart, your outlook changes. I've got three points here and then we'll close and it won't be long. And the first one is we see potential, not prejudice. We see potential, not prejudice. See, Jesus saw potential in the woman at the well. The disciples only saw prejudice. She was a Samaritan. Jesus saw a woman in need. They just saw a Samaritan woman. You know, the way that Jesus Jesus deals with this woman, he forgives her. Then he restores her. Then he empowers her. And she goes running back to that village. Forgiven. Full of grace. Full of mercy. Running back to the village. The grace that Jesus ministers at that time shows us that past prejudices, past sin, and past mistakes need not confine or condemn us. That past sin, past prejudices, and past mistakes need not condemn us. We're set free. It's just so wonderful. Jesus ministers grace into that situation. All we've got to do is be willing to listen when he gives us a job to do. We used to work in the hardest place ever in my life in Chelmsley Wood. <clears throat> and uh, we used to work with drug addicts and prostitutes and um, single parent mums was just the norm. And one couple, he used to be a drug dealer and he also used to be, <coughs> excuse me, he used to be um, a, a drug taker. But he got totally, wonderfully set free from his drug addiction and decided to follow Jesus. And um, so dumped all the, the drugs. And then his wife and he used to service in the church. And one night she was going to pick her children up from school, uh, from our Sunday school in, in midweek. And this guy, who was a, clearly a drug addict, came up and he said, uh, he said, Nicky was coming out the front door. And he said to Nicky, he said, has Dean got any gear? Now, gear's drugs. He said, no, we haven't got gear, but we've got Jesus. And he said, and Nicky turned around and said to him, he said, do you need some food? He said, yeah, I've just moved into a flat and I've got no food. He said, Jesus is going to give you some food. And he said to him, he said, do you need some furniture? He said, yeah, I need some furniture. He said, well, Jesus is going to give you some furniture. Nikki's got 10 children. She's got no furniture and she's got no food to give someone else. So she's back in the car. She's got this guy's number and said, I'm going to bring the food and the furniture tomorrow. She's in the car and there's a lady in the, in the gutter crying over a, a can of tenants extra. And Nikki drives past thinking, I've got to get to Sunday school, pick up the kids. But then she reverses the vehicle. And this lady's crying in the gutter. And this lady's saying, no one loves me. And it's my birthday tomorrow. Well, I'm going to tell you something, she said. Jesus loves you. I want to bring you some flowers. Now, Nikki's broke. They've got 10 kids. They're on benefits. She gets into church. First thing that someone says to her is, Nikki, do you need some food? Because I've got a box of food here for you. So I don't need it, but I know someone who does. And then someone walked up and said, do you need some furniture? Nikki said, yeah, I've got some, I need someone who needs some furniture. And then someone gave her some lilies. 
some flowers. And she knocked the door of the lady in the following morning and gave her a birthday card and these flowers. And she said, you know what? I'm just going to give you these flowers. I'm going to give you these lilies and this card. But I want to also give you Jesus. You need Jesus. And to cut a long story short, the young lady ended up in the rehab in Wales. And I went to see her a week afterwards. A a partner had battered a black and blue. She had a bath and the blood turned, turned the water red. This girl was so um, badly beaten and scarred. She went to rehab. I went to see her a week later. And she looked as pretty as my wife did. Mm. From a a broken vessel, God had turned it into such an awesome, awesome miracle. And that's what it means to have your heart in the harvest. You know, we look at people with the natural eyes and we've got to start looking at them with Jesus' eyes. We need to look beyond the lifestyle. We need to look beyond the prejudice. We need to look beyond the outward appearance. Robbie Dawkins says, dig for gold, not dirt. Dig for gold, not dirt. Everyone's got a lot of gold in them. You know, look for the best in people. Don't look for the dirt. Anyone ever made a mistake? Oh, just me. So dig for the gold not for the dirt. You know, I was, um, everything happens to me all the time. I, I, I was just minding my own business again at a client <laughs> meeting. <laughs> I was in a client meeting and uh, I've known these guys for a long, long while. And um, they invited me to dinner as well as talk about business. And <coughs> we got to dessert and I thought I'd better talk about business. I was, my mortgage isn't going to get paid this month. So I asked him a question, and uh, the particular guy had been badly advised by a bank, and they'd paid out some compensation to him. So that's what he wanted to invest. The bank had ripped him off for £200,000 through a very, very bad transaction. And they've only given him 50% of that back, but we were talking. And then he just turned on the table. He's got two little boys, and they're, they're only young ones, five and seven, and a wonderful wife. You know, and um, he just turned and he said, that woman that sold me that policy, she's going she's gonna to have the same brown envelopes hitting her doorstep as I've had. I'm going to take her to court and I'm going to make her life a misery. She's going to hate the day she was ever born. And they started erupting at the table and his wife starts crying and saying, look, you know, think of the children, think of the children, look at them, you, you, you're becoming a monster. And I thought, what do I do? I'm eating my ice cream and I'm thinking... Holy Spirit, give me some revelation. I'm thinking, Jesus. So I told him my story. and See, when I was 11 years old, I was told by my mother that when, I, when she was carrying me in her womb, that um, she sat in a hot bath of water and drank a bottle of gin and went to walk around the park as, or, as much as she could so she could drop me. See, she never wanted me. My mother never wanted me. And she told me that. My father used to beat me black and blue. And I'm telling Gareth, I'm telling my friend at this, um, this meeting, you know, I could have turned one way or the other. I was being beaten by my dad and just hated by my mother. Never ever wanted me born. I said, but you know what? One thing that really 
really, really means something to me is that God turned my life around. And I could have become a pedophile. Instead, Gareth, you know my life because he knows my life. And I've mentored a lot of young men over my lifetime. Uh, 15 years or so, I've been working in youth. And I've spent some time just investing in young people. And I said to my friend, I said, look, I just want to invest in people. And I said, you have to make a decision. You're either going to rip a person down or tear a person up, or you're going to invest in someone. And I think you need to invest in your family. And you know that night, reconciliation came into that house. Not because of me, but because of God inside me. Because of his Holy Spirit. Um, you know, when you have a harvest heart, your diet changes. Jesus said, didn't he? I have the kind of food you know nothing about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Do the will of him who sent me. His disciples were looking in the natural. Did someone bring in some food? How often do we look in the natural? You know, Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20, talks about going. And often all we want to do is sit and eat. But we've got to go. You know, when our heart beats in time with God's heart, we begin to change from the inside out. God gives us new eyes. And he helps us see the need that's around us. He helps us see those who are desperate for love. There's so many young folk out there that are desperate for love. So many young folk, just this week, we've been praying for a 14-year-old who's taken an overdose, laying in her bedroom for two days, and her liver and her kidneys are packing up. We've started praying the liver is now well, and the kidneys are slightly improving. So please pray, little girl for Brittany. See, when we have a harvest heart, our eyes change, our heart change. We become open, responsive to God. You see, we need thin heads and fat hearts. Fat hearts, a big heart for people. Because that's what Jesus had. Jesus had a big heart for people. In this year of opportunity, God has given us a big heart for people. Mark, what time do I finish? Is that right? Can you turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. I love this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. What a wonderful gift. Who thinks that's a wonderful gift? And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And do you know how many of you are pleading with your friends, your neighbours? How many of you are touching people when you're 
when you're driving on the bus, when, you, when you're in your car, when you're in your school? Are you pleading for them? Come back to God. Come back to God. Come back to God. Or even come to the first time. What a life I've got. I've got the best ever life. I've got a fantastic wife. I've got a great job. I've got a wonderful church. What more do I need? I need the harvest. Ian's quite right. Anyone can preach this message. God works through us. And we plead, come back to God. The last point I've got for you is, when you have a harvest heart, one act of obedience can have an incredible repercussion. When you have a harvest heart, an act, a single act of obedience can have an incredible repercussion. That woman left the water jar, didn't she? And she ran. Ran, ran, ran back to the village. And we hear that because of that obedience, many came to faith that day. Many came. She ran back to the village and many came to faith. The transformation of that woman's life brought about change for the whole village. The transformation in our lives can bring change to the whole of Bidford, Stratford, Great Arm, wherever you live. It can change your place. You know, we're focusing on the year of opportunity and what is our opportunity. Are we going to run back to our villages? So I went to church today, you know, and it was great. (laughs) Come to our coffee morning. Come to our men's group. Come to our cell. It was absolutely fantastic. The speaker was a bit off, but the church was fantastic. (laughs) Year of opportunity. John 4.35 in the Message Bible says, well, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look of what's right in front of you. Open your eyes and take a good look of what's right in front of you. You know, have a heart for God. But then have a heart for the harvest. Take a look around and see what's in front of you. Take a look around and see the need. Take a look around and see the hurt. Take a look around and see those who are desperate. Guys, invite your neighbours to come to the dads and sons and daughters. Invite your neighbours. Go into your workplace. It's going to be fantastic. It'll just be an opportunity just to share what we've got. eh? And what an easy way to do it. Just don't know what I did, Mark. I took on my neighbours once as an evangelistic outing down a rapid and I lost the oldest member. He was about 17. He went under. I had to jump in and get him out. <laughs> so don't put me in touch of the boats, Mark, but I'm coming. And if you don't want to take Jude, Susie, it's all right. You know, our act of obedience is share the story that God puts in our heart. You know, I want to share just one thing with you just now and... Um, you know, we've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. And if Mark and uh, Caroline and Tom can just come forward now. Listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Robbie Dawkins, who's read the book? Get it. Do what Jesus did. Talks about this girl and um, she, 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 she asked the Lord and said, um, use me today. Use me today. She's in the car. And... Uh, that still small voice came and 
He said, right, turn right. She normally goes left. Turn right. Turn left. Go 100 yards down the road. Turn right. See that shop? I want you to do, walk into that shop, do a headstand, and walk out again. <laughs> wow, that's a big one, isn't it? Who would do that? Come on. Who would do that? Yeah, come on. <clears throat> so this girl was a little bit feeble like the rest of us, and, and she's gone in the shop, and it's got a few customers in there, so she got the crisp packets and just looking at the crisp packets. When they've gone out, she does a hit. She runs up to the counter and says, watch me, does a handstand. And then this guy just looks at her, tears streaming down his face. And he said, half an hour ago, I said to God, if you're really real, get someone run into this shop and do a headstand on the counter. <laughs> You're going to do that. The single act, single act of obedience. You know, there's two types of people here this morning, you know. There are those who need to be giving the invitation. Come and see a man who told me everything I know. Come and see a Jesus that saved my life. And then there's a second type of people those who are waiting for that invitation. Those who are waiting. You know, there's many, many people waiting for that invitation, even in this room today. And Caroline and Tom are just going to sing, and I'm just going to come and close off the service. Thank you.